Our second scripture reading this morning might be familiar to you. As you know, as we're in this year for growing in grace, each month we will focus on a different verse or passage from scripture. We'll return to it again and again. We'll seek to even memorize it and let it live in our hearts and move with us out into the world. And so um, our verse today, our passage today will be familiar. In fact, after we sang the first song, and after we heard Steve's version of the same song, and after we heard the Old Testament scripture of the same passage, somebody in the choir leaned over to me and said, you're really hammering it home today. <laughs> so now hear it from Jesus. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 31. Listen. One of the scribes came near and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, he asked him, which commandment is the first of all? Jesus answered, The first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So good morning once again and... Uh, Hi to those worshiping with us online on YouTube and Facebook Live, podcasters later in the week. We are in a fun and festive Sunday morning here uh, for, com for World Communion Sunday, which we will enjoy together as we welcome our new members and kind of the life and fun, uh, and fun facts that they bring uh, to us, and just a morning of being in worship together, being with Almighty God and with each other. Did you know that according to Harvard-based child psycho psychologist Paul Harris, that children ask about 40,000 questions between the ages of two and four? Did you know that? <laughs> Another study said that this works out to about 200 to 300 questions per day. And if you've sat with a toddler for like 15 minutes or come to Time for Young Disciples and talk to these kids, you know it's true. Um, children use ask use questions to explore their world, to express their curiosity, to try out new words, to test the limits, especially to learn and develop. Questions are a tool of a curious mind. And, the Bible, and in the Bible, Jesus asks a lot of questions. Somebody, not me, counted them all, and it turns out that Jesus asked in the Bible 307 questions. He asked 307 questions, and 80 of those were how or why questions. Jesus wanted to know how or why. These are curiosity questions. These are bids to learn more or to grow deeper, to go further. And I'm not calling Jesus a toddler, but I'm just saying that he asked a lot of questions, and there were very few that he answered. In the Bible, Jesus was asked 183 questions. People were always asking him questions. 183 questions. So turn to somebody next to you. Take a guess. Out of 183 questions that Jesus was asked, how many did he answer directly? How many did he answer directly? Just tell somebody next to you. What's your guess? Out of 183. Mm. All right. Who's, who's bold? Shout out. When, what's your guess? 160, zero, five, two, three, four. These are, I, these are nice low guesses, and you're right. Um, some, there's some dispute about this. Some say that it was as many as eight. Some say it's as few as three. Three questions that Jesus answers directly. 
So for every 100 questions he was asked, he answered one. Today we're looking at one of the stories where Jesus is asked a question and gives a very clear answer. It's one of the three. So the story shows up in three out of four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It shows up in some form. They're a little bit different. And the basic setup is that Jesus is teaching in the temple, and he's debating and discussing and, um, prob- and talking with these, uh, these leaders, and he's probably asking a lot of questions. And one of the people who's there comes up to him, a scribe, and asks him this, which commandment is first of all? Which commandment is first of all? And to say first, we could call it primary or most important or even the greatest. What is the greatest, the first, the most important commandment or part of our faith? And Jesus answers him by quoting from the Hebrew scriptures, which we read, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, which is called the Shema or the call. And this is part of the prayers that Jewish people do in, use in the morning and the evening. Morning and evening prayers always include this passage from Scripture. And Jesus lays it out this way. He says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then he ties loving God to, uh, to loving others and says, And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that's five. And there are five Sundays in October. No coincidence. You see what's coming. So Jesus quotes directly from the Hebrew Scriptures in Leviticus. And each week this month, we are going to follow one aspect of Jesus' teaching. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. He gives us a direct answer here to a question. So we kind of want to pay attention to that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. The basic sense of this teaching from Jesus is that we are called to love God fully or completely, not to have a divided heart where we keep something back for ourselves, like kind of like a, um, a dragon holding its treasure in a cave. We want to trust God fully, to seek God, to embrace God. Having wholehearted faith is something that goes on deep inside of us. Loving God with our whole heart is not a surface thing. It's deep down, it's a bedrock conviction, maybe that God is good, that God is love, that God is for you. This can be hard to put into words, and even for people of faith, we can sometimes struggle to know how to love God with our whole heart. Are we doing it? In fact, I want to say that before we can really love God with our whole hearts, we need to discover this truth from the Scripture, which says, We love because he first loved us. And if you want to be a person who loves God with your whole heart, if you hear this, I want to love the Lord my God with all my heart, to have this open-hearted, real, deep-down faith, I have to tell you that it doesn't start with you. It starts with God. Loving God with all your heart does not start just with you and your best ideas. It starts with God's love coming to you. God who has an open heart to you. God whose heart is beating with love for you. It's the love of God that was poured out in Jesus Christ, which we see in his life, in his ministry, in his words of grace and truth, in his sacrificial death on the cross, in his rising to new life. All of this is making God's love known to us, into our world and into our lives. So it's not just because you are so lovable that God loved you. In fact, the scripture says the opposite. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
So before we deserved it or earned it or claimed it or did anything or said anything, God already loves us. God already loves you. But we can struggle sometimes. If we're honest, we can struggle to receive God's love and to return that love um, back. Maybe that's because of our own doubts or worries, our fear. Maybe the experiences of our lives, like hurt or abuse or loss. St. Teresa of Calcutta, also known as Mother Teresa, once wrote about her struggles in her spiritual memoir. She writes this, I am told that God loves me, and yet the reality of darkness and coldness and emptiness is so great that nothing touches my soul. What tortures of loneliness. I wonder how long my heart will suffer like this. She wants to know the love of God and to love God in return, but she really wrestled in her own life to experience it. And this is Mother Teresa. This is a saint of the church. So one thing I want you to hear today is that it's okay to be honest about where you are in your heart with God. God can take it. Maybe we can, we can ask it this way around some questions. Like, um, what do you love about God? What's an attribute or a characteristic that you love or appreciate about God? What's something when you say, here's who God is, what is it that you love about that that speaks to you? Or maybe, um, where do you feel, feel close to God or experience God in your life? Is it at church? Is it in prayer? Is it out in nature? Is it when you're in fellowship with other friends? Is it in your own devotional time? Is it through worship or study or service to others? Where do you feel close to God? Where's your heart of love filled? Maybe ask it this way, almost like a, an examine. Where do you feel close to the love of God? Where do you feel far from the love of God? And be honest with yourself about that. As you identify in your own experiences so far, those places, those people, those practices where God's love is made clear, it can help you to open your heart to the love that God has for you, to open your heart to grow in love for God. There's a famous story about John Wesley who uh, went on to found the Methodist church and was a global evangelist. He, he had this big worldwide global view. He once said, the whole world is my parish. So like, it's not just like Los Gatos and the surrounding communities. The whole world was his parish. And um, so he had, he had this big idea. But before that, before he became this worldwide global, uh, global servant of God, it was 1738, and he was invited uh, by some friends in London, where they lived, to go to a small, church, a small, small group of, of a church meeting. And he didn't really want to go. Uh, maybe he was busy, maybe he had other things going on, he wasn't that interested, or maybe he just didn't know if he'd be accepted into this Christian small group setting. He, he didn't know if it was the right thing for him. And so he went, but he went, he says, reluctantly. And so John Wesley um, is somebody I think about on Easter Sunday because of how many people come to church reluctantly, you know, brought by somebody else. And yet God worked. So John Wesley went to this meeting at Aldersgate, and while he was there, he heard the message, and afterwards he wrote in his diary and said, my heart was strangely warmed. That was his line. While I was there at Aldersgate, hearing the message of the gospel, my heart was strangely warmed. And it was the beginning of his conversion experience where he received God's love in his heart and began to love God in return. I wonder where your Aldersgate might be, the place where God's love warms your heart. 
And I'm putting it this way because I don't believe we can fully follow Jesus' teaching on this to love the Lord with all our hearts if we don't receive God's love for us first, if we haven't been warmed by God's love ourselves. We can't, we can't possibly share it with others. So what are the practices, the people, or the places that connect you to the love of God where you feel that love, where you grow in love? Loving God with our whole hearts is an offering that we make. It's lifted up with holy and sometimes trembling hands to the God of the universe. There's a story about, uh, or tell you about John Calvin, who's the great uh, reformer in the Presbyterian tradition, and we're very proud of John Calvin. Um, So when you think about John Calvin, you might think of somebody who's kind of a little bit um, cold or academic in his faith, or a very serious guy. You think about the doctrine of predestination, something like that. But he had a personal motto. John Calvin had a personal motto, and this is what it was. I offer my heart to thee, O Lord, promptly and sincerely. And during, so, and during his time in Geneva, Switzerland, John Calvin made a seal, like a stamp that he would use when he wrote letters to people. And on the stamp, it showed a hand. It was a cutout of a hand holding a heart. And he was offering it to God. I offer my heart to thee, O Lord, promptly and sincerely. So if you want to grow up in, into loving God with all your heart, maybe you'll struggle like Mother Teresa. Maybe God will come and warm your heart like John Wesley. Maybe you will want to offer your heart promptly and sincerely like John Calvin. Wholehearted faith can look different to different people. But I want to close today by issuing you an invitation. We're about to share this communion meal, which is sometimes in some traditions called the love feast. And so as you come forward today to share this love feast, would you come with your heart open? Would you open yourself to the love of God, which is here present? Would you offer your your heart to God promptly today, again? Would you offer your heart to God sincerely, truly, in an open way? My prayer for you you is that you would know the height and depth, the breadth and width of God's love for you, and that as you receive it again and live it more, know it more deeply, that you would also seek to love the Lord your God with all your heart. May it be so for you today. Amen.